When Hernán Cortés led a Spanish army of five hundred soldiers, accompanied by several thousand skilled allied native warriors, into the Aztec capital on November 8, 1519, the Europeans were filled with wonder by the enormous, splendid city in the middle of Lake Texcoco. One of these soldiers, Bernal Díaz del Castillo, left this initial glimpse. When we saw so many cities and villages built in the water and other great towns on dry land, and that straight and level causeway going towards Mexico, we were amazed and said that it was like the enchantments they tell of in the legend of Amadis, on account of the great towers and pyramids rising from the water, and all built of masonry. And some of our soldiers even asked whether the things they saw were not a dream. The appearance of the palaces in which they lodged us, how spacious and well-built they were, of beautiful stonework and cedar wood, and the wood of other sweet-scented trees, with great rooms and courts, wonderful to behold, covered with awnings of cotton cloth. The size of the buildings, and the great crowds who welcomed these strange-looking visitors left the Spaniards astonished. They saw huge palaces, coated with shiny cement and swept in garland, adjacent to great oratories for idols, some of which were covered with blood. The Aztec island capital, Tenochtitlan, was at the time one of the largest cities in the world, with nearly 200,000 inhabitants. Seville, the largest city known to most of the conquistadors, had 60,000 people, while London had closer to 50,000. The largest cities on earth, Paris and Constantinople, each had roughly 300,000 inhabitants. Tenochtitlan, the great city of Mexico, as the Spaniards referred to it, was the supreme settlement of a political and economic empire made up of more than 400 cities and towns spread through central Mesoamerica and extending into several distant southern and eastern areas. Tenochtitlan was the dominant sacred and political settlement of a triple alliance, which included the city-states of Texcoco and Tlacopan. Together, these three polities strove to control more than five million people spread over an area of more than 77,000 square miles. Yet the city's population, social complexity, and power was concentrated on an island of only 4.6 miles, which actually combined the two separate settlements of Tlatelolco and Tenochtitlan into one core settlement. Radiating out from this island capital were more than a half-dozen causeways that linked it to nine smaller urban settlements on the nearby mainland and pushed the population of this megalopolis closer to 300,000 people. As the Spaniards quickly learned, the Aztec capital was both a garden city of great agricultural productivity and the center of a tributary empire that attracted and redistributed vast supplies of foodstuffs and commodities. This powerful economic system made Tenochtitlan the focus of Spanish envy and hopes for wealth and political domination. The centrality of the city and its linkage to a much wider ecological and political world became evident as the Spaniards toured the city. If we had been part of that tour in November and December of 1519, here is some of what we might have seen. As the Spaniards walked along a major causeway toward the central ceremonial precinct, they saw the many bridges under which passed scores of canoes carrying people and goods to various neighborhoods and markets. They were soon greeted by many more chieftains and caciques who approached clad in very rich mantles. The brilliant liveries of one chieftain different from those of another, and the causeways were crowded with them. 
Eventually, the visitors saw the entourage of the ruler, Motokazuma, he who grows angry like a lord, Soko Yoitsen, the younger, approaching them, known in Nahuatl as the Tlatuani, or chief speaker. The king appeared beneath a marvelously rich canopy of green-colored feathers with much gold and silver embroidery, and with pearls and with chalchahuites suspended from a sort of bordering, which was wonderful to look at. The great Montezuma was adorned from head to foot as a living man-god who wore bejeweled sandals with soles of gold that never touched the earth, for other lords swept the ground and spread claws before him.